So today, I want to talk to you about hope. And I thought really funny what we put our hope in. So I, I, so the girls are probably all going to tune me out for just a second, but just stay with me, okay, because I have two examples. So I have one for the guys and one for the girls. So I'm a big sports fan. When I thought of hope, I immediately, I'm so pessimistic, I thought of all the times that I got let down. All the times I got let down. It's tough, Bay Area sports fans. Now, 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 now you all are probably saying, well, you're a Warriors fan, which I am. And you're probably thinking, well, what are you complaining about? You guys won, like, heck of championships. I know, I know, I know. But, see, the scars still hurt. So I'll share about the 49ers instead. Does that make you feel better? So there's two examples that kill me every single time I think about it. I don't even remember what year it was. We still had Alex Smith as our quarterback. You guys know what I'm talking about? First year, we had Jim Harbaugh. He's a genius. He went 13-3. and We're just killing everybody. We're in the NFC Championship. We're up two touchdowns. It's the third quarter. I'm like, dude, we going to the ship. We're going to the ship. And gang, there's someone named Kyle Williams. I love you, bro, but I had to mention you. Remember what happened? Oh, someone's laughing. They know. They know. Punt, punt. Guess what happened? Fumble. Giants score a touchdown. I'm like, it's okay. We're still up seven. We're still up seven. Kicked off the ball. Kyle Williams. Guess what happened? Fumbled again. Actually my, actually, my remembrance is wrong. So you're up seven. So the game was tied. Then when he fumbled it, second time, they kicked the field goal and we lost. I was so mad. I remember Anna was there. I was watching at my parents' house. I just didn't talk to anybody the rest of the night. Like, I was so mad. I was really mad. I was just like, I was done. And my sister was like, oh, okay. Well, we play some games. I think I love my sister. She's just like trying to change the subject. I just wasn't having it. I was just like, mm, I'm not playing no games. I just sat in front of the TV. I was so mad. Oh, man. Second one, real quick. Super Bowl next year, right? Oh, man, we're going to Super Bowl against the Ravens, right? You know, um, skip all the way to the fourth quarter after the blackout that was caused by Beyonce. That's probably caused by, I'm mean, going to tell you the truth, that was probably caused by Las Vegas because the Niners weren't covering. But enough conspiracy theories. So 49ers are down four points. It's a very important point because we couldn't kick a field goal. So we're driving down. It's less than two minutes left. We're looking good. We're on the nine-yard line, first and, first and goal. I remember exactly what happened. We're on the nine-yard line. Frank Gore is a beast. We run the ball. He gets five yards. It's second down on the four-yard line. All we have to do is just get four yards in three downs. Guess what we do the next three downs? Throw, throw, throw. Why? I don't understand. Frank Gore, I, I just forget it. I'm done. Lost Super Bowl. Worst thing ever. No hope in that. Crushed me. I got one for the girls. Don't worry. I was in middle school. Saw this girl. Really liked her. Thought she was cute. So my favorite Disney movie, just to give you um, background, is Aladdin. So I thought I was Aladdin. I'm the guy that, you know, it's like no one likes. doesn't not much to, you know, look at. But, you know, he's like a prince on the inside, right? So I was like, yeah, I'm going to win this girl over, right? I'm, I'm in the long game. You know, I got to like, it's not going to happen in one day, you know. Just try to be nice to her and stuff. So I want you to know, I chased this girl for three years. But wait, but wait, but wait. Here's what actually happened. It actually worked. So she actually liked me at the end of eighth grade. So sixth, seventh, eighth grade. That's the long game, okay? And finally, I'm like praising Jesus at this point, right? Like, oh, yes, God, you answered my prayer. She finally liked me, right? So we're like going out, but not really because you're in middle school. You don't even know what that means. 
And then guess what? Two weeks later, she likes another boy. That's it. But in middle school time, that's like a million years. And then my heart was broken. And I got let down. Okay. So there's my two stories of hope. Now, now it's a, it's a self secret, right? You're standing in church. And you're probably thinking, okay, Jeremy, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say we should put hope in Jesus. <laughs> and when we tell you the truth, you would be right. <laughs> but that's not the point of the sermon. Because <laughs> then I'd be wasting our time for the next 30 minutes. The point of the sermon is that I believe that we know that we're supposed to put our hope in Jesus. But I believe the issue is that we don't actually know how to do that. See, so there's a disconnect between what happens within our mind and with our heart. And that's what I want to speak to you today. You guys feel that? You guys ready for that? Let's go into the Word of God. I was going to read you a whole chapter and a half of Acts, but the Lord said no. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We have Paul, and Paul believes that he's supposed to go all the way to Rome. It's really far to preach the gospel to Caesar. So what happens is he gets arrested. That's the only way he can get there. <laughs> he gets arrested, and the guards, he's chained up. The guards are going to take him to go to Rome. So, but he's from Jerusalem, so I'm really bad with geography. But you just, you know, like, Jerusalem's over here. This is like the big Mediterranean Sea, and like Rome's like over here, okay? So you have to go all across the Mediterranean Sea. That's geography right there, okay? So they get on the boat. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the world. So I'm going to go through the story and explain how everyone put their hope in the wrong thing but Paul. Okay? So I'm going to talk about the two things that we really put our hope in instead of God without realizing it. The first is people, and it's usually yourself. Usually. But it could be other people. So let's, so let's go to the Word of God. Right before they're about to take off, here's what Paul says. I love what he says. He says, sirs. I perceive that the voyage, this is really important, will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Seems like you should probably listen to him, right? But the centurion paid no, more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. So we're going to fast forward real quick. Hey, newsflash, Paul was right. We're going to get to that point later. And the first thing I want to tell you is that most of the time when we look at God, we do the same thing. We don't think that God is an expert on our own life. We think that I'm the expert on my own life. It's like, oh, you know, Jesus, like, you know, like, we, we, so the first thing is we think Jesus is a passenger. But yeah, yeah, Jesus, you can come along for the ride. You can be part of my life. You know, just get on the boat and just, like, sit in the back and let me do my thing. You sit there and wait, and I'm going to direct the boat, you know. And, and whether we realize it or not, the biggest reason why we do that is because we separate the spiritual and the natural. We say, okay, Jesus, you do the spiritual stuff, okay. So when I need, like, healing or I need, like, I don't know, like, when I need, like, wisdom or, like, what to do or if I need, like, you know, um, I don't know, help with something spiritual. I can't think of something right now, sorry. We, we, then we go to Jesus. But when it's, like, stuff in the natural, we're like, oh, I got that. You know, like, oh, if I need a new job, I know what to do. Like, I'll go work on my resume, right? I'll go go find people. Like, I'll go talk to people, right? Go to a recruiter, right? Or when we have financial problems, I'll go, I know what to do. I'll go get a job. I'll start saving up. I'll go do financial planning, right? When I want to get married, you're like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. Like, I'm just going to, like, buy a house, buy a ring, you know, da, 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 da. We think that we know what to do right away. So we immediately make Jesus 
a passenger. I want you to know today that Jesus didn't come to be a passenger, okay? Jesus came to be your Lord and your Savior. But the biggest thing is that we don't want him to be in control. We want to be in control. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. We feel like, I'm, I'm in control, Jesus. Don't worry about it. I got this. I want to tell you something. You don't got it under control. <laughs> you really don't. You really don't. But I, I, I want to touch one more thing first. We compartmentalize our lives. That's what I'm trying to get at. We compartmentalize everything. There's the spiritual and the natural. So in the spiritual, okay, Jesus, I'll use you. When I'm at church, when I'm praying, when I'm worshiping. But when it's natural stuff, that's my zone. Don't touch my zone. That's me. I got this. Okay? Now, I want you to know something. I'm about to blow your mind. I shouldn't have said that. Now I set the standard really high. I'm going to go with it anyway. I'm about to blow your mind. I'm going I'm to prove to you right now that whether you realize it or not, the spiritual is more real than the natural. Okay, I want you to know that in the beginning, there was actually only God. This universe didn't exist. Everything in it didn't exist. In the beginning, it was just God. God was just there with himself. He has three persons. It's him, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they were just together and enjoying each other's presence and fellowship. I want you to know, who is God? Who is God really? Can we go to that verse in John? I'll tell you who God really is. It says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So before the natural was the spiritual. God is spirit. And what you know is really crazy? It's actually what came out of the spiritual is natural. Do you guys understand that? So what's actually more real is the spiritual. But when we're here on earth, we don't, because we, we're not aware of the spiritual. We don't believe that. But I want you to know something. Based on who God is and the actual truth of creation, the spirit is actually more real than the natural. I'm, tell, I'm telling you guys today, I believe God is trying to tell you guys, we need to go into the spiritual. It's the real behind the real. I heard this term, I'll never forget it. It's the real real. You guys heard that? It's the real real. The natural is not real. I'm being, this is not matrix stuff. And you guys, some of you guys are looking at me like, I'm talking about matrix, like blue pill, red pill. I'm colorblind. It don't even matter to me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really, seriously, think about it. The spiritual is more real than the natural. So the first mistake we make when we put our hope in is we put our, we put our hope in the natural and we compartmentalize everything. Okay? Second thing we do to Jesus. We treat him like a passenger. Now we treat him like the fire extinguisher. Yeah. What does that mean, Jeremy? Ah, I picked a good one. Now you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, what I mean by that is that it says, break in case of emergency. <laughs> we only go to Jesus when there's an emergency. So let's go on in the story. There's an emergency. Let's do, let's see what happened in the story. Next, next part of the story. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. I'm not a sailor, but when there's no sun and stars, I can tell you, you're lost. And no small tempest lay on us. That means there's no wind blowing. So they didn't have motorboats. So that means they're dead in the water. So I don't know. So if I bring that into the 21st century, that means you drove somewhere where you can't see the sun or the stars and you got no gas. And all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. That's pretty bad. And since they have been without food for a long time and you're hangry. That's for Pastor Sonny. And you're hangry. Then Paul stood up. Then Jesus had to take over. 
You know, a lot of times we don't go to Jesus. We just think, I got it under control. I'm going to take care of things. I only use Jesus as a last ditch resort, like the last effort. Like we'll do, <laughs> we'll do everything in our own power besides Jesus. Like, like it's, it's hilarious. Like, and it's just good. Like I'm not saying it's bad to have a plan. I'm not saying it's bad to like take initiative and problem solve. But it's hilarious because literally we go to Jesus last. Like if I had a problem, and this is me too. I'm talking to myself because I'm a J and I always have to have a plan. I cannot, I'm not spontaneous. I'm a super J. Like MBTI, I'm super organized. I cannot go without a plan. Like I'll freak out. Like, the moment I know there's a problem, I think of 10 contingency plans. I'm like, okay, we got to do this, 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 this. I know who to call, what I need, if I need this, and this, this. I got a lawyer guy. I got a, I got a car guy. I got a house guy. I got, like, all these different guys. Like, we all do the same thing. The moment something goes wrong, we immediately say, oh, I got this. I know what to do. I'm going to start taking care of the problem. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And we only go to Jesus like, 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 like he's not even a good option. Like, oh, I'm only going to go to Jesus if I did everything possible. These sailors did everything possible. They had, to, they had to literally end up in the worst situation possible when you're on a boat before. And actually, newsflash, they didn't even ask for Jesus' help. Paul had to stand up. I'm coming here today to ask is some of you in this room are treating Jesus the same way. Like, he's just a fire extinguisher. Like, when things are going good, you're like, oh, yeah, it's good, Jesus. Oh, this is fun. You know, worship's fun. This is cool. But you know what, Jesus? I don't really want you to mess with my life. I only need you as my little safety net, just a fire extinguisher, just to put out bad things, which most likely um, we caused. And then, so, so when it's an emergency, right, we break the glass and we grab the fire extinguisher and we just use Jesus and put it out. And then what do we do when we're done? Just put it right back where it was and just go right back on and doing what we did in the first place. I feel like these are the two biggest, the two biggest things that we do to Jesus. And whether we realize it or not, these two things say something. These two things say that we hope in ourselves, in other people, in our plans, in our abilities more than him. Because we don't give him priority in our life. We don't give him any authority in our life at all. We treat him like he's not part of our life. Or we treat him like he's only there when I got nothing else left. I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I want you to have a bigger picture of who I am. I want you to have a bigger grasp of who I am, of what I can do, and, and, and why I came to be with you. And now, I want to let you know, you know, I think you know in your mind that you should trust Jesus over yourself. But I, I, I think there's two things you need to know about God first. And you have to admit these truths for this to work. The two things you have to know about God is you have to believe that, one, he actually knows what you need more than you do. Because a lot of times we think we actually know. But you have to believe in your heart that Jesus actually knows better than you. That's the first step. If you don't, then, yeah, why would you put your hope in someone that you think is dumber than you? I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? But we think so little of him. I want you to really think about that. We have to put God in higher honor. That he actually knows better than we do. And number two, he's the only one that actually has the power to make that plan happen. You know what's hilarious? I just told you that I have five contingency plans all the time. You know, I just condemn myself by saying that. You know why? Because by me having to have to have five contingency plans, what does that say about me? That says that I don't, I'm not in control. If I have to have a backup plan, that means I know my plan might not work. And let me tell you something about control. Control is absolute. You either have control or you don't have control. 
if you're half in control, I got news for you. You're not in control. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. And that's why we think as humans, I'm in control. I'm in control. You only got like one little lever and Jesus is like working the whole board. And he's like, eh, you don't got control. He can like turn off your lever anytime he wants to take over. You don't have control even though you think you do. You only have partial control because he gives it to you. But even in then, you're not in control. And the fact that it's a good idea to have a backup plan tells you that you don't have control. We need to trust in the one who never has a backup plan. His plan always comes through. He doesn't have a backup plan. Now, well, this is the best part. I hear in the room, I hear someone say, well, you know what, Jeremy, I did trust God before. He let me down. You know your 49er story? That was me, but with God. You know your story about that girl you had a crush on in middle school? That was me. You know, I did trust God. I try, I try to trust God for something. I try to pray for something, and it didn't turn out the way I wanted. I put my hope in God, and he let me down. What do you have to say about that? I understand. I want to let you know I understand because I've been there too. But I want you to know that the second reason why we misunderstand and put our hope in the wrong thing is because we put our hope in what we see and not in what we hear. That's the word of the Lord for you today. We put our hope in what we can see and not in what we hear. And so in those moments when you felt let down by God, I believe in, I believe with all my heart, you felt let down because of what you saw, but not because of what you heard. Let's move on to the story with Paul. It gets worse. Oh, it gets worse. I love this part. He goes, men, you should have listened to me. I love that. And not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. He's like, you guys are stupid. Now, I urge you to take heart. For there, oh, you get it? Yep, here's the promise of God. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Uh-oh. Let's read that part again. But only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the, of the Lord or of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So let me, I love this part. This is exactly how I read it in my mind when I read this. Paul comes up to the guys, everyone's like so distressed. They're like not eating. They're like, they look horrible. Paul comes up. And then, I don't know, when people ask you, I got good news and bad news. Which one do you guys like first? Yeah, I always pick bad news too. I don't know about you guys. I always pick bad news. So Paul goes up. Hey, guys, I got good news and bad news. Everyone looks at Paul. It's like, bad news? This boat's got to go. The good news? No one's going to die. I came to tell you today that God's saying the same thing to you. He's got good news and he's got bad news. I got good news for you guys. I'm going to start with the good news. Maybe that's from the Lord. The good news is that God will never let you go. The good news is that he is for you. He's not against you. The good news is that he has a plan for you and it's going to prosper and it's going to come true. But the bad news is sometimes some stuff's got to go. I want to let you know today the hope is not in the boat. I'm going to say it one more time. The hope is not in the boat. The hope is not in the boat. The hope is not what you see. It's in what you hear. Can we look at what God said? He said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Fast forward. So here's what actually happened. The whole boat got destroyed. Like it was like exploded. And then they're all floating on pieces of wood. It looked like Titanic. Like Jack hanging out. 
it wasn't even a door. It was like a piece of wood. That's what happened. I want you to be honest with me. If Jack came here today, did you think he would be like, yeah, God had my back, even though the whole boat went down? No, he wouldn't. He'd be pissed off. But I understand. But that's a lot of us. When we pray for situation, we're like, God, save the boat. Yeah, save this situation. Save the whole thing. God sometimes says, no. Sometimes the boat's got to go. And I'm sorry to say that. The boat had to go. Well, the worst part was Rose just let him sink. I don't know. That was, ah, that was not God. She just let him go. I don't know. She could have broke the door in half. Could have had two pieces of wood. I don't know. I just don't like that movie. But I want you to know something. The hope is not in a boat. And a lot of times, I feel like today there's someone in this room who you feel like you're just like Paul. Like you had a situation and the whole thing just got smashed. And you just feel like I'm just holding on to this one little piece left. I want to tell you something. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to tell you I understand. I'm trying to tell you I understand that it hurts. I understand that. And I'm sure no one in the boat was happy about that. But I want to tell you something. God promised something very specific. And he didn't let you down. And he's going to bring you through. And I don't have a why, okay? I want to be honest with you. But why is the most dangerous question in the world? Do you want to know why? <laughs> why is dangerous? Because you seek explanation. Usually when you seek explanation, you're looking for someone to blame. You ask, why, God? Why that happened? Why? 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 If he told you the answer, I'm going to be honest with you, would you make it feel better? I'm being so serious. When I lost my grandma and I wasn't sure she was a Christian, if I asked God, why? If you told me, would it make me feel better? It's not about why. It's about asking God, what are you doing? And what are you saying? Why never brings healing. Understanding never brings healing. You know what brings healing? Relationship. Intimacy. And you get that when you listen to the Spirit of the Lord. All right, so now the boat's in, smashed up into smithereens. What are we going to do? Uh, it gets worse for Paul. Can you go to the next part? Oh, man, Paul can't catch a break. I love my boy. He can't catch a break. So the, the boat gets smashed. They're floating on little pieces of doors like Jack, and they make it. And they finally get to the shore, and they're building a fire because they're trying to get warm. They're freezing to death. And then what happens? And Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire. A viper came out because of the, of the heat, not the heart. He, that viper got no heart because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Now, first thing I want to point out, this is why you never listen to other people when you listen to God. They, they call him a murderer. Well, actually, ooh, Holy Spirit just told me they weren't wrong. He was, actually, because he killed Stephen. My bad. I'm sorry about that. But the next part is because he shook the snake off, they thought he was God. So I'm telling you right now, people are whack. Don't listen to what people say. That's a free one. I'm telling you right now, people one moment condemn you. The next moment they praise you. People are whack. Don't listen to a word people say. Including me. Listen to God. <laughs> My goodness. Stupid. Next, moving on. Now, before we get all excited, I heard a lot of sermons about the snake. People say, shake that snake, you know, get it off. I'm like, oh, throw that snake in the fire. <laughs> I just, I, I got to tap the brake a little bit. Just got to like, 
Because sometimes that snake is your fault. Can I be honest with you? I want to tell you why Paul had the ability to shake that snake off. I'll tell you right now, some people, they just read the word, and they just pick and choose the verses they like. You know, be like, oh, no weapon formed against me shall stand. And you go walk into a bar and get into a fight with people. Look at this big guy that's like 300 pounds and be like, hey, you know what? Jesus is with me. No weapon formed against me. Like, that, that guy's going to knock you out. Like, come on. Yeah. So I'm not, people take this verse, I don't want you to take this verse out of context. Seriously. I don't want you thinking every situation is a snake and you're just going to be like, I'm going to shake that off, shake that off, shake that off, shake that off. Just be like Taylor Swift. I, don't, I can't dance. I'm not going to do it. Okay? I want you to understand why Paul had the power and the authority and the confidence to shake off that snake that tried to stop him. All right? It was because, again, he didn't look at what was happening, the snake that was on his hand. He remembered what the Lord said to him. And I'm going to go back to even before all this happened, four chapters before in Acts 23, when he was just hanging out in Jerusalem, the Spirit of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Paul, you must stand before Caesar in Rome. Now go. That's why. I'm coming here to tell you today that you do have the ability to shake things off. But you have to know what your father says first. Again, we, our hope is in what we hear, not in what we see. So Paul had hope over the snake because of what the Lord said to him. He said, you're going to Rome. So he's looking at that snake like, I got to go. I don't got time for this. I got time for this nonsense. God told me to go somewhere. Get that off me. That's why he said that. But I want to let you know right now, if you're acting a fool and you ain't listening to God, don't be quoting scripture. Don't be going around quoting scripture when you're acting like a fool. You need to be walking in the Lord and doing what he says and listening to him. Because the only reason why he had the authority to do that was because God told him he had the authority to do that. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I, I realized when I was doing that, it's kind of look crazy. I just meant ear, so I should do this. And, and I, I feel, and I, and I just felt God wanted me to say that because I see so many people quote that verse and it breaks my heart. Because they think it's an ability, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an excuse to act, to act a fool. It's not. God says Paul had that authority because he was walking in his will, because he knew what he had to do. That's why. And so I'm going to end today by telling you a story because I want you to know this all happened to me. No, not in a boat. It happened with me financially. So about four years ago, yeah, four years ago, man, three years ago, you know, I was feeling the call of God to go into ministry, but I was really worried about my debt because I went to pharmacy school, so I have a lot of debt. And so I was like, God, uh, I was being honest with them, and I still believe I prayed the right thing. I said, Lord, if you want me to go into ministry, I can't have this much debt because it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm not going to make any money. <laughs> so I don't want to be in debt, and I don't want to borrow for school and be in more debt. So I said, God, you got to do something. Okay? But here's the part where I didn't listen. So this is the part when I'm a passenger, okay? So I thought <laughs> that God wanted me to invest in real estate. It was stupid. Because I didn't do it in his timing. I went and took out an equity loan in the house. And I, and I didn't even have enough. So I borrowed money from my family. Oh, that's a bad idea. I can feel in the room. Y'all looking at me like, you're acting a fool. And I'm going to say, yep. I borrowed money from my family. And I had a friend of a friend who's, who said he would help me. And actually, I trusted this person. Now, the meeting... I met with three people. It was me, the friend of a friend who was a realtor, and the contractor. And actually, I really connected 
with the realtor. And I was, we, were, we were really connecting. We were really hitting it off. I felt like I could really trust him. We were doing a lot of good things. But when I asked him, hey, are you ready to invest right now? He said, no, actually, I'm not. It's not the right time for me. But see, I didn't listen. So I, was, I said, God, I can't wait. Like, I got to do the holy thing. You know, I'm doing this for you, Jesus. So I got I to gotta get rid of this now. So I said, no, I got to take it into my own hands. And so the next day, the other guy that I didn't talk to that much, the contractor, he called me. And he asked me if I wanted to do a deal. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is God provided. Wow, it's the spirit of the Lord. Wow, he just called me. So I thought, yeah, that's God. That's God. Yeah, let's do it. So I did it. Fast forward. Um, the project never even got off the ground. I, now, I want to say that I don't think he um, meant to do that. I don't think he meant to steal my money. But when I realized that the project didn't get off the ground, I went and met with him a year and a half later. I was like, hey, man, like, we didn't even start. Like, we don't have anything. Like, what's going on? And, he, and I said, I need my money back. And he's like, I don't have it. And he's like, what? You don't have my money. Like, we didn't even do anything. <laughs> and then he just clicked. He didn't say it because he didn't want to incriminate himself. But he basically spent my money on another project. So my money was gone. And so now I'm in a lawsuit with him. Going on over a year now. So imagine, I went home, and I was like, Lord, I'm even in more debt now than I was when I started. Talk about the boat went down. Let me tell you something. The boat went down. I was like, Jesus, I screwed that up real bad. Just like the sailor. Breaking case of emergency. Then I broke it. I started praying, right? That's the only moment I started praying, right? Did the same thing. Now what? Now what, God? I, I said, I can't do anything. I don't got nothing. I started praying and fasting. I was so scared. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't even want to tell my family. Lost all their money. I was like, sign my money. I was like, God, I don't know what to do. You know, and then the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I will get you out. That's all he said to me. He said, believe me. And I will make a way. And I will get you out. You know what he brought me to? He brought me to the story of Noah. How Noah built a boat on dry land. That's ridiculous. That's probably the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. He built a boat in the middle of a desert, y'all. You guys know where Israel is? It's in a desert. He built a boat in a desert. And he, and he was expecting something called rain that they never saw before. I'm just letting you know. And the Lord said to me, <laughs> I was going to say, he said to me, I'm going to make it rain. <laughs> As I interpreted that he said, I'm going to make it rain. But that has bad connotations. The Lord said to me, I will be your provider. You just build the boat and you wait. And so I said, okay, God. So I was fasting for 40 days, 40 days. And you know what? What do you think I thought it was? What did you think? What do you guys normally think I would have thought that would, that would be? Oh, you know, that the project would get started, that I'd get my money back. Neither of those things happened. At the end of fasting for 40 days, guess what happened? Nothing. I was like, God, you let me down. That's, that's why I say I know how you feel. I was like, God, I gave, up, I gave up meat. I love meat. I gave up meat. I gave up TV for 40 days. I love TV. I got nothing out of that fast. I was like, nothing happened. It's like, thanks, God. Let me down. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. 
And a year later, we fasted again during Lent. I was like, oh, here we go again. Do this again. And I fasted. I prayed again. The Lord said to me the same thing. He said, build the boat. Move forward. Move forward in your destiny. I will provide for you. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. Then we went to Lineage. Got called in the ministry. PB called me and Anna out. And we had to stand up in front of everybody. And then I'm like, oh, gosh. Now it's like we legit. Everyone knows. And now I have to do something. <laughs> you guys don't know how scared I was that day when I stood up at Lineage. Because I felt like I got nothing. Like, there's no way I can move forward with this. I just no way I can start a seminary. Just, I can't do nothing. Then, fast forward, six months, freaking out, still hanging on to that little piece of wood in the middle of the ocean. And God tells me I'm eating lunch, tells me, I want you to go on Zillow. I never do this. So, what? Okay, go on Zillow, look up the value of my house. I don't know if you guys know how real estate works. Just real quick story. Um, real estate works that the value of your house is relative to the value of the houses around yours. So, um, and so I looked at the value of my house, and I was shocked. Because the value of my house had more than doubled. And the reason for that was because someone in my neighborhood was able to sell their house for that ridiculous number, thus raising all of our other houses to that number. And you want to guess what day that that sale occurred? Right before Good Friday when I was fasting. And I thought God was doing nothing. I was like, oh, snap. And then, but guess what? God said, your house, your biggest sense of security, that boat, it's got to go. I feel every Asian person in this room being like, yeah, you're stupid. I even told Christians, they're like, why are you selling? <laughs> why are you selling? <laughs> if you know anything about real estate, yeah, everyone would be like, why would you sell? Why don't you just, like, rent it out? Or, like, you do a million other things with it. Like, why would you do that? That's so stupid. You'll never get that house for that price ever again. You're so stupid. Why would you do that? Yeah. 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 I agree. But you know what? I'm telling you guys. I can't. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I'm telling you guys. This is what the Lord wants you to know today. We have to, we have to see with our ears. We cannot see with our eyes anymore. We have to see with our ears. Everything on a human level was telling me, that's dumb. Don't do that. Don't do that. But the spirit of the Lord said, no, you need to do that. I, we, we cannot keep listening to this world. We have to listen to God. You know, we use our eyes and we see things. We see things in the natural. I want us to learn to see things in the spirit. To see things in the spirit. To not just use your eyes to see, but use your eyes to hear. Does that make sense? I know that sounds crazy, but just stay with me. And in that moment, when I was looking at it, and I had the choice to make, I'm looking at all the numbers. I know everything that's going to happen. But God said, just trust me. Just trust me. And in my eyes, I said, fine, God, I'll trust you. And I'll sell my only asset left. Do you guys realize that? That's my only way out. That's the only positive asset I had left. I said, okay, God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. I was like, but God, if this market crashes, if this bubble pops, I'm toast. You know that, right? Because God knew how much I needed. I needed to pay off all my pharmacy school debt and all the money I lost. And you know what? God's faithful. You know what? At the end of it, 
story is crazy. You know, the realtor that I met at the meeting, I called him. He helped me sell my house because I know he was the one that I was supposed to work with. And when we sold the house last year, we broke the record for our, for our neighborhood. Here's the crazier part. You know what happened right after that? Everyone else wanted to sell their house for the same price, right? Bubble popped. All the other houses couldn't sell. When I stood there, I just dropped on my knees. I was like, God. <laughs> what a serious has to say. In the natural, I was the stupidest person on earth. But in the spirit, God said, no, you put your hope in me. You put your hope in what I say. I'm going to lead you in paths of righteousness. I'm going to lead you to green pastures. And no, this is not prosperity gospel. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to land this plane. I see the time. I'm going to land this plane. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is not prosperity gospel. I'm not trying to tell you that either. I'm trying to tell you the only reason why I knew that was because I heard what he said. A lot of times we assume what he says. How many times when we pray, you already have the answer in mind. You guys know what I'm saying? Like when we pray, we're like, oh, God, yeah, like I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to restore this. I want you to save this. We're talking about the boat still. Oh, God, save the boat. Oh, God, keep the boat afloat. I'm challenging you today. When you pray from this moment on, don't pray for something specific, assuming that you know the answer. Pray that you would hear the voice of God and what he is doing. Okay? That's what I want. I want you to pray and ask for God to speak to you, not to make him do something. That's what this word of the Lord is for you guys today. Because I want you to know, I didn't command God to give me that money. I didn't command God to give me all this stuff. I only did it in faith. I didn't have a clue what was happening. Can you bow your heads? I feel like the spirit of the Lord is here. I think there's two things that he's asking us to do today. He's asking you to relinquish control. For some of you, that's really hard. He's just asking you just a little bit today. Just a little bit today. Just let go a little bit more than you did yesterday. Just give me control a little bit more than you did yesterday. Just trust me with just a little bit more of your life than you did yesterday. Just let me take over just a little bit more than I did yesterday. Give me authority to speak into decisions in your life and be flexible when I change things. Let go of control. Not don't do nothing, but let go of control. And for some of us, he's asking more than you see with your eyes that you would hear the voice of God. You would hear what the Lord is speaking that you would use your eyes to see the real, real, to see the spiritual, to see what's happening beneath the surface. And that only comes by hearing. I hear the Lord saying, I want you to begin to listen with your eyes. Don't just see with them. I want you to listen with your eyes. And I believe right now some of you are struggling through something really tough. You feel like all hope is lost. And you feel like, you know what, God, you burned me before. You burned me before. I tried to hope in you. And it failed. I got let down. I, I want you to know, and this is not to make you feel bad, but I want to release you from that bitterness of the past. I believe that that happened because you saw with your eyes, but you didn't listen with your eyes. 
You assumed that God was going to move in a certain way, but he never promised that to you. And it's not that he doesn't love you, but he didn't promise that to you. And you prayed with an assumption. And you prayed with the answer already in mind. But the whole time God was trying to redirect you to what he was trying to say, but you didn't have time to listen. And I believe right now God is saying, don't do that again. Don't make that mistake. God is always speaking. But the question is, are we listening? So right now, I want to pray over that. That those of you who feel like you lost all hope. I want you to know right now, just close your eyes and ignore all the signs of what's happening. Ignore every circumstance, every number, every logical conclusion, every natural outcome. And say, God, what are you doing right now in this situation? I don't know what's happening. I'm sitting out in the middle of an ocean on a piece of wood. It looks pretty bad right now, God. I got nothing right now, God. But what are you doing right now, God? Because the only thing I got left is you. Well, yeah, then you hold on to him. And I believe he's going to tell you exactly what he's about to do. That your hope is in him. And your hope is in his word. Because by his word, by his word, is his promise. And you can hold on to that. Just like what Pastor Chinway said. When you hold on to the word of God, you can take that to the bank every day of the week. But it's not by what you see. It's not by what you see. And even in the word, don't take the word out of context. It comes in a place of intimacy. Paul had the ability to shake that snake off because he had intimacy with God. Because he knew the voice of his father. He knew what his father was saying. That's where the confidence came from. And that's the confidence I want for you today. That the confidence that you have to shake off the situation that you're in, it's not just because you could read a Bible verse. It's because you heard the voice of the Lord speak to you and say, yes, I'm with you. And I'm going to help you to shake out that snake. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your promises, God. Because that's the only sure thing we have right now. That's the only thing we can hold on to right now, God. It's not in, it's not in people. It's not in our abilities. It's not in our plans. It's not even in our circumstances, our situations, God. It's not even in our thought of who you are and what we assume that you are. It's only in the word that you actually speak to us directly, God. And so I pray over every person in this room, God, that this week, God, you would come and meet them in a real authentic way, in the quiet place, intimately. And that you would speak a specific word, a timely word, and promise that is special for them, that they can hold on to in this season right now, God. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the awareness and the hunger to listen closely for your voice, God. We honor you, God. We love you, God. We raise you to the highest place. We thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.